Hey, good morning, everyone. How many of you, after hearing Leanna speak, you feel a little guilty about complaining about the weather this morning? Leanna, that was, where's Leanna? Is she, is she here? Leanna, incredible job. Incredible job. Um, we can't be more proud of you as a church. Um, you know, here, here's the thing. When, when I think for some of us, we, um, we get so comfortable in, in, in our Christianity. And, and Leanna was literally on the front lines of some real spiritual warfare that goes on. And I think for some, you may even been shocked to hear what she had to say, but that, that's what goes on. I mean, that's the, the spiritual battle that, that people go through, and it can only be won through the Spirit of God. And, uh, and we, we I, I, I don't think we realize um, what we have in Christ Jesus. I mean, just for me, after hearing Leanna speak, those songs took on a whole different meaning for me, just singing them again. We have a Savior who has conquered the grave for us. We have a Savior who, who defeated the works of the enemy on the cross. There, there is nothing that can hold you down or can hold you captive. And, and, and what Leanna shared today just fits so well with what we're going to be talking about today. And I think for many of us, um, our paths have held us back from, from knowing Christ completely. Whether it's past regrets, or like Leanna said, maybe abuse that has happened in our past. And, and, and this is, this is a, a chain that has gripped our hearts that keeps us moving forward. Whether I, I don't care whether it's bitterness or anger, or just just callousness, or or just being angry about some of the things that have happened in your in your past. Um, I I just want to I, I just want to share that Christ breaks those if you truly put your faith and belief in Him. And what we're going to see as we look in, as we've been going through the series in the Book of Philippians, Paul is going to give us the secret on how we overcome the past and how we overcome the past regrets, and how God can actually use those things that even might seem wrong with us or bad to us, how God can actually turn those and redeem them and use them for his glory. And I think for some of us, we look at our past, we're like, how can God use this thing for his glory? When I, want you, I want you to realize, I just want you to get an image of the cross of Jesus Christ and just realize that through the agony and the abuse that Jesus went through, because no one would look at the cross and the agony and, 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 and just the suffering that Jesus went through and actually think that God could use that for his glory. But did God use it for his glory? Can I get an amen? He did. And he turned that thing, which would seem like a defeat, which seemed like suffering which just seemed senseless. And then three days later, we see an empty tomb that God says, watch what I do with this. Watch what I do with this suffering. And that's what God wants to speak into your hearts and lives today. Watch what I'm going to do with your pain, your regrets, your suffering, your mistakes, bad choices you make. Watch what I'm going to do with it. I'm going to turn it around. I'm going to redeem it through my son, Jesus. I'm actually going to use it for my glory so that it doesn't become a chain in your life, but I'm going to actually use it to propel your faith and to propel you into a deeper walk with Jesus Christ. And so that's 
my prayer for you this morning. So let, let's jump into God's word. We're, we're going line by line, chapter by chapter through the book of Philippians. And we are in chapter 3 and we're going to look at, at verse uh, 12 through 21. And we're going to see Paul, what he's doing here. Remember, Paul's past isn't the greatest. I mean, he killed Christians, right? Before his, 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 his uh, transformation and conversion to Christ. And he thought he was doing everything right. If anyone had regrets or pain because of the past, it would have been Paul with the mistakes that, that he's made. And what Paul does here is, is he's encouraging the Philippians. He's not writing anything derogatory to the Corinthians. He basically loves this church, first church that was started in Europe by Paul. And Paul is just encourages, he's writing from prison being persecuted for his faith in Christ Jesus, writes this letter to this church and says, listen, I want to encourage you guys to keep moving forward. Don't look back. Keep moving forward. And Paul gives us some secrets here on how we can continue to move forward and not get discouraged and to get shipwrecked in our faith with Jesus Christ. Because how do you know, when you become discouraged, and you become embittered or angered or about something in your past, how many know that will derail you faster than anything else in your walk with Christ Jesus? And so what Paul says here, I want to give you some keys here on what will keep you moving forward in your faith with Christ Jesus. So let's look at verse 12. You can look at the screens or look in your Bibles, look at your phones, whatever you got the Bible on. Let's look at it together here. This is some good stuff here. So here's Paul, my title in the NIV version says, Pressing on toward the goal. And so Paul says to them, not that I've already obtained this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, one thing I do. What's the next word? Forgetting. Forget about it. Okay? For you Italians in the word, The translation there is forget about it, okay? What's he saying is forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me, what? What's the word there? Heavenward in Christ Jesus. Just get that word, heavenward, 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 heavenward. That's the key. Verse 15 all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. If you're mature, he goes, you need to have this. This is what's going to help you propel you forward in your faith. And if on some point you think differently, that too, God will make clear to you, only let us live up to what we have already obtained. So join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the patterns we gave you. For I as often told you, Before, now saying again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. And their destiny is destruction, and their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things, but our citizenship, once again, Paul says it, is where? It's in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies, back aches, disease, cancer, those lowly things so that we will be like his glorious body. Boy, aren't those some great words, some hopeful words for you this morning. Jesus, as we just come before you this morning, my prayer 
is that you would bring hope to every heart that is dry today. That you would bring hope to every heart that is overwhelmed with regrets of the past, bad decisions, um, brokenness, broken marriages, whatever, whatever it is, abuse, God, whatever those things are, Lord, bring us hope through these words today. We thank you that Jesus does, as we sang, breaks every single chain. And we thank you for that. So God, just speak to us through your word today. We believe it's living and it's active. And we just love you and we praise you. And we ask these things in your precious name. And all God's people said, Amen. how many of you know, you know the saying, hindsight is twenty twenty. Have you ever heard that saying? Okay. How many of you have no idea what that actually means? No, I'm just teasing. Um, sometimes I hear these sayings. I'm like, what do they mean? What does that, what does that, uh, you know, what does that mean? Uh, and, and, and what hindsight is twenty twenty? What that means is that, it's that after the event has occurred, you have a much clearer understanding of that event. After event happens, we have a much different perspective of that event. And how many of you, looking back over your lives, have done something, looking back, and you said to yourself, why did I do that? Or asking yourself, what were you thinking? You ever ask your kids that? What were you thinking? Did you think an umbrella jumping off the garage was going to stop you from breaking your ankle? What? That didn't happen to me, by the way. I just threw that out there because um, every kid thinks that that's going to work. You're going to be like Mary Poppins floating around, right? It doesn't happen. What were you thinking, right? Many times we look back at our event in our life and we're like, what were we thinking? Why did I do that? Reed Hastings, he's the, the CEO of Netflix, and he said this, and I like this quote. He says, in hindsight, looking back, I slid into arrogance based on past success. He goes, in hindsight, looking back, I slid into arrogance based on past success. And so we know when we look back over our lives, there are definitely things that, that we have done that we're like, man, I, I, boy, that was a mistake, and I regret doing that. Um, how many of you, when you were kids, you remember this and maybe some of you didn't remember this because we didn't wear these things when we were kids. Bike helmets. How many of you remember not wearing a bike helmet? Okay, so that's good you remember. I don't remember it because I fell so many times. So it explains a lot of my life, doesn't it? Um, we don't wear bike helmets, right? There, there was, we did not wear bike helmets. And, and thinking back, it probably wasn't so smart. I remember when I was in seventh grade, my friend was, uh, we're coming back from school. And my friend said, hey, Barden, I've got my bike. Joe, I'm going to give you a ride. So we had this great idea where I was going to ride on his handlebars. And I lived in Arundacoit. We're going down St. Paul Boulevard towards the lake. And there's a slight hill that goes down St. Paul Boulevard. And we're, there are streets that cross it. And we hit a curb going pretty fast. And we hit that front wheel, hit that curb. And it just literally propelled me like 8,000 feet forward into St. Paul Boulevard. And I remember just hitting, hitting the ground, scraping my head. You know, I had uh, no helmet which again, explains a lot in my life, right? And, and, and so thinking back, right, you're thinking uh, riding on the front of the handlebars going downhill without a helmet probably wasn't a good idea, right? So there are things in our lives that we look back in hindsight, not so smart. So how do we, here's the thing, Paul is described for us, how do we press on and, and not allow our past to become this weight 
that we drag with us into the future. Because for many of us, the reason why we're not running the race that Christ has called us to to race is because we've got so many things tangled around our ankles that keep us from running the race and the freedom that Christ desires us to run in. And so Paul gives us some insight here. And he says, listen, how do you do this? Because we've all done things we're not proud of. And if we could get a do-over, we would definitely take Take, take, take that and, and try, to do, try to do it better next time. Past guilt, regret haunts us, keeps us from doing what God desires us to do with the mindset of woulda, shoulda, coulda, right? But how many know you cannot change the past? Can't do it. It's there. It's there and we can't change it. We make these mistakes. We live with these regrets or we live with the shame. We, we live with, with these things in our lives. We live with the, maybe things that have, have, were wrongly done to us and we live with these things. Paul gives us hope here in these verses. Paul gives us hope on how do we overcome these things? What did Paul do that he didn't allow his past to dominate his future? And I know for some of us, um, there are little reminders that, that can pop up in our lives, whether it's through people's comments or things we read that bring up this guilt and this remorse of our past, like, did I do that right? Why did I do that? And then, and then we get down on ourselves. And, and, then, and then we, this condemnation, have you ever felt that where you just feel this pit in the bottom of your stomach of condemnation, like, man, am I good enough? You know, am I doing this right? Lord, do you even accept me because of the, the frailties of my past or the brokenness of of relationships and all these things. So what did Paul do to not allow these things and to dominate his mind, to dominate his future that would stop him from running the race? Well, we get some wonderful insight here in these passages of Philippians. And I believe, I just want to give you three quick things this morning. I believe Paul encourages his listeners to do three things. And this is the way that we must look at our life as, as we walk this walk in Christ Jesus, and I'm praying for you, for some of you that maybe aren't walking with the Lord, that, that this will help you to realize, hey, this is the thing I need. This is the thing I'm looking for. This is the thing that's going to help uh, my life that, that I've been looking for all, all my life. And so what I love about these things, it comes from a person who has been through a lot, trials, hardship, prison. And this is Paul's predicament as he writes this letter while he's in prison. This is what he learns, and this is what he's passing on to us. And so let me give you these three things that I believe can help propel you into the future and not allow your past regrets uh, to, to, to hinder you from allowing God to do what he needs to do. What, what, what's the first thing that Paul did? Well, what we see in these verses, specifically in verse 12 and 13, Paul says what? He says, don't look back. I, I'm, not, I'm not looking back. Don't. Look back. Great song by the group Boston, by the way. Don't look back. A new day is breaking. It's been so long since I felt this way. I don't mind where I get taken. The road is calling. Today is the day. Okay, I I went somewhere. I shouldn't have gone. Sorry, I just... Woo! That's a good song right there. Anyways, what's he saying? Some of you are saying, pastor's just lost his mind. No, I just went back to eighth grade like that. Um... Listen, what's Paul saying here? He uses the word forgetting. 
He says, forget, forget what lies behind you. And and what he's saying is not that Paul, here's the thing, not that Paul wouldn't remember his past because he does remember his past. It's it's not that we're we're, we're all of a sudden just going to be gone and I'm never going to remember it, but he's leaving them behind as done and settled. That there's nothing I can do about it at this point. It's done and it's settled. And there's nothing I can do about it. And, and I have to realize that, that, that even though I, I, I can remind myself of these things and these things are a part of my past, I, I, have, to, I have to move on and, 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 and say that they're settled because in my relationship with Jesus Christ, they're settled under the blood of Jesus Christ that he's forgiven me and he's forgiven my past. And I have to be settled in that that God is big enough through his son Jesus and through his sacrifice to forgive me of my past and that they are forgiven and that they're under the blood of Christ, under a sacrifice where I can move on. See, to forget means this. To forget means to no longer be influenced by or affected by those things. These things are not going to rule my life any longer because I have a new life in Christ and I'm moving forward. Not that I don't remember them, not that God can't use them for his glory, not that God can't redeem them, but I'm not going to allow them to hold me back from moving on in God. And there's two things that can happen here. One is that um, if we're not careful, uh, we can glory in our failures where we can look at our lives and beat ourselves up. I'm no good. I'm no good. I'm no good, right? And, and so we can beat ourselves up by, why did I make that decision? Why did I do this? And so we can beat ourselves up, beat ourselves up. That, that's, that's not what Paul is saying here. Don't glory in your failures. And the second is don't glory in your successes, right? And so we can even look back and look at the things that we've done right. And we can go, well, look, look what I did there. Look at all the right decisions I, I made there. I remember one pastor said this. He said, if you take credit for growth, you'll also have to take credit for the decline, so be careful what you take credit for, right? Because it's much easier to take credit for our successes because those are good. But if we're going to own that, we're going to have to own the failures too. We have to allow Christ to, 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 to come under Christ and say, God, for all you, for the glory. I'm not going to take glory in my successes or fails. I'm coming underneath you. I, I need to forget about those things and I need to press on towards the goal that you have called me in, in Christ Jesus. So Paul learned something in his old age. By looking forward, Paul understood this. By looking forward, you break the power of the past. By looking forward, you break the power that the past can have on your life. We all know that we can't change the past but we can change the meaning of the past and use it for our growth in the future. Really? Pastor. Yeah, you can. No matter what that situation is or was, God can use it to propel us forward in Christ Jesus. Perfect example of this is found in the Old Testament story of Joseph. Starting in Genesis 37. Joseph had many brothers his father was Jacob. Long story short, Reader's Digest version. Jacob liked Joseph the best, gave him a nice robe. Uh, Joseph flaunted it, right? Look at me. Look at my robe, right? Brothers got jealous. 
sold him into a caravan that came by, sold him into slavery. Next thing you know, they don't know where he is. He gets taken off to Egypt. Well, long story short, uh, Joseph, because of his commitment to the Lord and, and wisdom from the Lord, basically rose up to second place in power in Egypt. There's a famine in the land. Brothers have to come to Egypt to get food or they're going to die. And guess who's in charge of distributing the, the food for the famine and overseeing this huge project? Their brother Joseph. And so Joseph recognizes them, but they don't recognize him because obviously he's probably changed and he's in Egyptian garb and they didn't know and, and he sees them. Now this is Joseph's great opportunity because now he's got all the leverage, he's got all the power, and he could easily have killed them in an instant. But I love what this passage says in Genesis 50, because when, when they finally figure out, read it for yourself, when they finally figure out and Joseph reveals himself to him, they are afraid and they're, they said, we will be your slaves and they know they did wrong. And here's how Joseph responds. He doesn't respond bitterly or through anger or through revenge, but because of the wisdom of God and seeing God's providence and how God even took that bad situation, Joseph realized that God used it for his purposes. And this is what he says to them in Genesis 50, 18 through 21. His brothers came and threw themselves down before him and said, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? See, he understood where, he, he understood where his role was, that he wasn't God and he wasn't going to play God. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Because God gave Joseph a dream to prepare for this famine. And so Joseph understood that God placed him in that position for a reason for that time. So he says, so then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. You see, Joseph looking ahead and seeing God's ultimate plan broke the power of the past. Joseph being able to see the future broke the power of the past. Now, it's hard for us to understand that Christ can use my past for his glory, regrets and all, but he can. And it's one word, redemption. Jesus Christ through his perfect body. And what he did for us on the work of the Christ redeems all that brokenness and now uses it for his glory. And the perfect picture of that is the, is the cross itself. The brokenness because of what sin has done and how Jesus three days later, later conquers death, conquers sin for you and I, and redeems that and uses it for his glory that we now can have a new life. He takes the brokenness and then uses it for his glory and that's anything that happens to us in our past so here's the point paul's saying don't run the race looking backwards what's going to happen if you run a race looking backwards you're going to run into something aren't you he goes look ahead look ahead and so what he does is what's what's the key for not getting stuck in my past well paul says look forward look forward he goes i run this race with this goal with this prize with this thing in mind god will redeem all things so paul says with all that stuff in my rear view mirror i press on i press on with a goal in mind 
There's a, and literally that goal means a, um, a finish line or a target. There, there's, a, there's a goal that I have. How many, knew, how many of you, if you were to enter a race and you had no idea how long that race was, whether it was a 5K, a 10K, or a marathon, how many of you, you had no idea what that race was? Are you going to run that race very well? Because you have no idea how to run it. Should I, should I run an a, a, a eight-mile pace? For me, a five-mile pace? Five-minute mile for me? Those of you that runners should all have been laughing right now, okay? Um, that would never happen in my lifetime. You know, or if I'm running a marathon, it's going to be a lot slower, right? I've got to, if we didn't know that, see, Paul says, listen, if you don't know what the end target is, you literally are going to be running aimlessly. Listen to me very closely. When you are locked into your past and your past regrets and, and, the, and the bad decisions that you made, guess what's going to happen? You are going to run aimlessly in your walk with the Lord. You just are. You're not going to have a hope. You're not going to have a future. You're, you're just going to, you're going to allow the past to dictate where you're going, and you're going to run everywhere. Paul says, listen, I'm not going to allow that to, to hinder me. I've got a goal. I'm going to press on for the reward that Christ has given me, and, and the reward is heaven. It's not a meaningless pursuit. The goal he has in mind is heaven. And you may think to yourself, how can a woman that Leanna and her team was ministering to with all these insects on her have a smile on her face. I guarantee if you were to ask her because she knows the Lord, her mind is set on heaven. She knows what her reward is. I, I read a story about a 16th century pastor from England. His name was Richard Baxter. And, and Richard suffered his whole life. He battled with one sickness after another, nosebleeds, migraines, a constant cough, stomach problems, kidney stones. He had it all. And after being bedridden for two or three weeks, the Lord finally helped him. Uh, he gets out of bed and he wrote this book. And, and in this book, he, he talked about meditating on, on heaven. And the, the name of the book was Saints Everlasting Rest. And what he did was, is he applied this uh, discipline in his life. And what Richard Baxter did was he said, what I did from that moment on when I got out of bed, he goes, every day for half an hour, I would just think about heaven. I would read Bible verses on heaven and I would just set my mind on heavenly things, just like Paul is saying here to the Philippians. And so he wrote this in his book and let me just read it to you. It's in English. So it, sometimes it, it's a little bit more difficult to understand. I'll try to translate it for you. But this is what he said, because I just love what he said here. He says this. If you would have light and heat, why are you not more in the sunshine? He says, for what of this recourse to heaven? Your soul is a lamp not lighted and your duty as a sacrifice without fire. Fetch one coal daily from this altar and see if your offering will not burn. Keep close to this reviving fire and see if your affections will not be warm. Basically what he's saying here is this. If you're down and your soul is downcast and you keep looking in the past, your soul will never be revived. 
But what revived his soul in the midst of suffering was he kept his mind heavenward. He kept pressing on towards the goal. This is what Paul probably did for himself, encouraging himself as he was in prison. He says, you know what? My final destination, my citizenship is not in this jail. My citizenship is in heaven. And I don't think we talk enough about heaven anymore. I think we've kind of settled. You know, C.S. Lewis said in Mere Christianity, it's like, it's, like a, it's like a child who settles for making mud pies in the mud when just not so far away is a whole seashore of sand that he could be playing in, but he settles to play in the mud. And I think for some of us, we've settled. We've allowed our minds to go to our past and our regrets and all those things that have happened in our past that's keeping us and propelling us forward to the hope that Christ Jesus gives us and the reward that he gives us for those whose minds are on him that allows us to get through the suffering that we're faced with now. So, so here is how Paul kept the fire burning. The word press, means it carries the idea of intense endeavor. You've got to work at it. If you're going to press, you've got to press in. You've got to mean business. You've got to say, man, if I believe this, then I'm going all in. I'm going to dive into this and I'm going to, I'm going to press in. No matter what I'm going through, I've got to press in. I've got to, I've, got to, I've got to lean on these scriptures and God's promises more than ever if I'm going to really believe this. And so you've got to, you've got to press in. It's this intense endeavor. Nothing else mattered. When we run with Christ in mind, it puts everything else in perspective. And I always wondered what kept the early apostles from not giving up. Well, they had it's so much to, to endure, but I believe this, this was the key. They kept their eyes on the future and they kept their eyes on Christ. And this is what gave them joy, knowing that one day it will be over and one day we will be with Christ. Let me just give you two passages here that hopefully will give you some hope here. I love Isaiah 65 because Isaiah the prophet writing some 700 years before Jesus walked on this earth, gives us a little insight to the future that we have. Here's a little promise. And what Isaiah does, and he sees the destruction of Israel and because of their, their backsliding, but God wasn't done with them. God's plan was not going to be thwarted. God still is going to do what he's going to do. He's still sovereign. And this is what he says. He talks about a new heaven and a new earth. Verse 17, Isaiah 65, it says, Behold, I will create a new heaven and new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. What? We don't have to remember those things. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. And I will rejoice over Jerusalem and I take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will be no more. Now, this is echoed for us in Revelation 21 when we see God accomplishing his will in the end times. As there's going to be no more sickness, no more pain. And here's the hope that John gets as he's exiled to the island of Patmos. And he gets this insight to what is going on. And this is what he says in Revelation 21 verses 3 and 4. And I, I, I commonly read this at funerals because this is the hope for every believer. Are you ready? This is so good. John says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. 
They will be his people and God himself will be with, will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away what? Every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. There will be no more taxes. There will be no more taxes. There will be no more 42 degree days in May. Right? Can I get an amen? Okay. You'll be able to, 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 to not worry about these things. No more mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has what? Passed away. That's what gave Paul his hope. That's it. And so what Paul says here, he says, listen, I, I'm pressing on. He says, not only press on, but he says, listen, look to me. Look to others who are running that race. Look to others who will encourage you. He says, follow me. And follow others that are mature, that are following their race. How many of you know that you can get around a bunch of Debbie Downers? Sorry if your name is Debbie. I'll use another word. Boring Bardens. I'll use my name. How many can get around boring Bardens and they can just suck the life out of you? Right? Suck the life out of you. Suck the joy out of you. Those are people you don't want to be running the race with. Because what they're going to do is they're going to stick their foot out and trip you or come behind you, right, with their cane and smack your legs and keep you from running. Paul says, listen, follow me as I follow the Lord. Be encouraged. Get around people that you're going to be praying with. That's what I love about Leanna's story. When there's a problem, what did they do? They prayed. They didn't sit around and say, "What? this is bad. Let's, let's, let's get a committee together to talk about this. Let's get a steering committee. What did they do? They prayed. They prayed. They prayed. This is exactly what happened in the book of Acts. They prayed. They said, God, we know you're bigger. We know you can handle this. You called us to pray. Paul says, follow my example. Follow the example of those that are mature. So how do, how do, we, how do we deal with this in our lives? You know, because how do we deal with it when you say, Pastor, I'm just having trouble getting over my, my past. How many of you are living with the regrets and the guilt and you know it's hurting your walk with God? I want you to understand that we can change the meaning of our past and use it for our growth in the future. Abuse, failed marriages, addictions. God, through his son, Jesus Christ, can redeem those things for his glory. I, um, we got a magazine from Colby's College, Geneva College, a Christian college that he goes to in, just outside of Pittsburgh, and we got a uh, uh, magazine from them just an update on what the school was doing and there's a message from their president in there powerful powerful message from the president of the college and uh from a newsletter that we got from the school and um he gave this illustration that just struck me right to the heart and he was talking about dealing with past hurts and pains and he went through some really was involved in a terrible car accident um the night before his best friend was getting married, best friend died in the car accident. He lived. Just a tragic story. I mean, just, I'm crying as I'm reading the story. 
But at the end of his message, he gave this illustration. And he said this. He said, when I was in um, junior and high school, I went to Gettysburg for an educational vacation with my family. Don't you love when parents do that to you? They take you on an educational vacation in the summer. Just love the educational vacations, right? But he was on, a, he was on this thing. He said, it just this one site, he said, struck in my mind. They were at a house, and next to this house was this gigantic tree with a cannonball right in the middle of it. And he said, um, he said that house, uh, at, during the time of the Civil War in the, in the, in the Battle of Gettysburg, that, that house was actually a, a, a hospital, a surgical hospital at the time. And uh, cannonballs were going there, and, and a cannonball hit that tree. Well, at the time, the, the cannonball was about as big as the tree and could have easily killed the tree. But what happened is over time that cannonball became really small and that tree became really big. And this is what he said, and I thought it was brilliant. How many know that when we look at our past, there are things that have either have come against us or regrets that we made. It's like a cannonball that hits us. And it's like, man, this thing is painful. This thing hurts. How am I going to get over this? And how many know that by the grace of God, that cannonball may still be lodged in your heart and life where you don't forget it? But how many of you have come to understand that as you grow in Christ, you grow larger by by the grace of God and that cannonballs become smaller? Even though it's still there, you still remember it. God can use it as a remembrance of your past to show you how God is maturing you and causing you to grow in him that that cannonball didn't kill you. It didn't destroy you. But actually God uses it to show his faithfulness that you can grow through it. And some of you right now, you may be in your life where a cannonball has hit you and you're like, Pastor, that cannonball is pretty big right now. Some of you are looking back over your past and you're like, yeah, I see what you're saying, Pastor. The cannonball's gotten small and I see God's faithfulness in my life. Listen, listen. Some of you here today, you need to experience God's power to overcome your past. You've been walking in condemnation way too long. You've allowed that cannonball to be much larger than it should be in your heart. God says, let me redeem it. Embrace it. Let me use it for my glory so that you can move forward in me and start running the race that I've called you to run. And some of you are running with a lot of baggage right now. Jesus says, lay it down and begin to run that race how I want you to run it. And so I want to pray for you today. And just ask God just to give you his grace, to give you his power, whatever that thing may be. So I just want you to bow your heads with me for just a moment. How many of you would say, Pastor, yeah, I've got some pretty heavy-duty regrets in my heart today. I've got some things that I just, I need healing from. And I just want to trust Christ today. How many of you just, by the raised hand, I'm going to pray with you today. Just raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I admit it. There's some things I just, I need God just to take care of in my heart my life. Amen. He'll do it. And I want to pray for you today. 
and just allow his power to overshadow you and, and just to overcome your soul today. So, Lord, I just um, thank you for the words of Paul through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that we can forget those things, not that we'll never remember them, but we can forget those things and we can move forward in you today. And Lord, I pray for every heart here today that is just struggling with their past or regrets or abuse, whatever it may be, God. I thank you, Jesus, that you redeem all things, all things, all things for your purpose and your glory. And I thank you for that, Jesus. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would break the ties and the, and that, that bind us to the past, that keep us from moving forward in you. And we thank you, God, that, that you work out all things for your good. You work out all things, Paul tells us in Romans, for your good, for your good, because you are a good God, you're a good Father, and you're perfect in all your ways. Help us to trust you when it seems so hard to trust you with those feelings and the hurt and the pain. Help us to trust you with them because that's why you died. You died for all our hurt, our pain, our sin. You died for those things. And then you turn it around and you say, look what I'm going to do with it now. And you turn us into trophies of your grace. So I just pray that you would touch every heart here today. In Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. All God's people said, amen. Just sit in your